Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. And tonight I'm going to talk to you about exposing the poison of unforgiveness. Exposing the poison of unforgiveness. Because many times we can carry around unforgiveness and because it's not something, for the most part, that can be seen in our life until somebody is around us for a little while. We think that, you know, we've got it hidden or it's, you know, under control or whatever, but it will poison your life and the poison will squirt out and um, and appear in your life in ways maybe that you didn't even think that it would. Someone said this um, about forgiveness. The weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. And I agree with that because you have to be strong to forgive. If you're a weak person, you can't forgive. You'll hold on to things and you'll hold grudges and resentment and get bitter and angry and all of those things. But if you're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, you will be able to release those things and let God have His way. Amen? Uh, Psalms 40 and verse number 9 says, I have told everyone the good news that you forgive people's sins. I have not been timid about it, as you well know, O Lord. And see, that's what God wants us to know. He wants us to tell people and He wants us to know in our own lives that God forgives our sin. And because He forgives us, that He then commands us to forgive others. Because He said, if you do not forgive, I cannot forgive you. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in a position where I can't give forgiveness when I mess up and when I sin. I want to be able to get forgiveness. But if I won't release someone else from something they've done to me or that I perceive whether it is a real wrong or not, and I won't release them, then I'm, I'm held hostage myself. Yeah, we're holding those people to some degree too, but we're held. So the best thing to do is to let it go. Amen. You remember, um, it's been, um, years ago now, but, uh, Pope John Paul II and, um, he was, um, uh, somewhere traveling and he was shot. Do you remember that? And he immediately said, I forgive the man who shot me. And do you know that he even went to the hospital to visit the man who had shot him? And so he said, if, if Christ forgave me, then I have to forgive others. And see, that's the right attitude to have. Now, I heard this story, I actually read it, and, and it, was, it was quite stirring in, in, in my spirit, really. And it was talking about an elderly lady, probably 76 years old, I think, somewhere around there. And uh, she was in a restaurant early one morning, and she went to the restroom. And when she went to a restroom, she was attacked by a man that was in there. Now, this man, he slit her throat. He bashed her head on the floor. He, um, he just did, you know, just terrible things. And then he even tried to rape her. 
And, um, and so when he was, you know, just abusing her in such a, a horrible way, she cried out to God and just said, oh God, help me. The man immediately uh, started talking to her and she, he, he said, I know God and I need his help. Satan is poisoning my mind. That's what that man said. And then he ran out. But, you know, he, before he attacked her, he was reading a pornographic magazine. Do you think those, you know, oh, oh, we have freedom of speech. We have, you know, we should have freedom to do what we want to do. Yeah, as long as it doesn't come back on us. But how about all the children that are being abused and the women that are being raped and, and even our young boys and that kind of thing? I think we need to do something about pornography in our nation because it encroaches into our lives, just like it did that older woman. You know, she went to a restaurant never knowing what was going to take place. Well, the wonderful story, though, about that is, is this woman immediately forgave that young man. And she started visiting him in prison, writing him letters, and she told him, I forgive you for what you've done for me, to me. And you know what she said too? Uh, she said, I've always been a person that holds on to grudges, but in this case, I knew that God had forgiven me of my horrible sin in my life, and now I had to be a person that obeyed the Word of God, and I have to forgive too. And she said, it isn't easy, but I choose to forgive. And see, forgiveness isn't easy, but we need to choose to forgive. It's a choice. It's a choice that you and I make. And so let's make the right one. Amen. We can make a choice, you know, the other way and hold on to things. But now remember, we're talking about exposing the poison of unforgiveness. I want to tell you a story that's found in 2 Kings 4. I won't turn you there. But um, I love this story. And I remember years ago, God began to speak and show me things out of this story about Elisha the prophet. Now, you remember Elisha. He followed Elijah. He was Elijah's servant, um, and he got a double portion. I like double portions. All right, so he received that double portion, and he goes down to Gilgal. You know what Gilgal is? Gilgal is a symbolic of the place of the rolling away. That's where our sins are rolled away. The church always has to come back to Gilgal. Did you know that? And so here was Elijah, or Elisha, and he was at Gilgal, and he was there with the sons of the prophet, and there was a famine in the land where they were. And Elisha told the, the sons of the prophets, he said, go out and gather what you can and bring it in here, and we're going to have some food. He said, put that big pot you've got on the fire. And so they brought in the herbs and, 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 you know, the wild gourds and everything, you know, that they could find. And they chopped it up and put it in the pot. Now, you know, as I was reading about that, it was like vegetables. You know, they were finding different things. And, and the gourds were like onion-shaped and that kind of thing. And they brought all that stuff in there. And I'm sure they were hungry. And, you know, their mouths were watering. You know, when you get real hungry and and smells real good. It's like, yeah, I'm ready to eat. And so there they were, you know, stirring the pot and they get their bowls out and everybody is, you know, dishing it out and they're going to eat that day. And when they started eating it, they began to cry out and they said, there's death in the pot. 
And so they had to immediately stop. But I love what Elisha said. He said, go get me some meal. And he took just a handful of that meal and he threw it in that pot and stirred it up and he said, now you eat it. Now, you know what God spoke to me? Meal is symbolic of the word of God. And let's just say you're the pot. And where there's poison in you, if you'll put the meal in, it's symbolic of the word and the bread of God, the bread of the word. And you put it in there and it'll get rid of the poison. And then you can partake. But you see, as long as you won't uh, uh, put the meal in the pot, it's going to be poison to your life. Unforgiveness is a poison. It's a toxin. You know what a toxin is. You know, we had this ash spill, and they talk about toxins being released and the poisons that are being released. Well, that's in the atmosphere and, you know, in a vicinity and an area. But in our life, there can be poison released into our physical bodies and into our spiritual life. I'm going to tell you, the poison just doesn't stay in your spirit. It goes into your physical body. I was reading about Dr. McMillan, and he wrote a book, and some of you are familiar with it, all of these diseases. And he talked about people who wouldn't forgive and who were angry people. And he said, what happens if you continually live that way, uh, and you don't, you, you're a person who won't let things go, who won't forget, who won't release, you get bitter, you have resentment, you hold grudges. He said, what that will do, it will affect the adrenal glands, the thyroid, and different parts, glands in your body, and then it releases toxin or poisons, and it will show up as disease in our bodies. But you know, the thing about it is you cannot project where it's going to show up. It's going to be in different ways. So sometimes, because the toxins and the poisons are in our life, uh, you know, and we won't release and we won't forgive and that kind of thing, we don't tie it back to these things that have gone on in our life. But the doctor, Dr. McMillan, he said, we need to understand that you need to do what the Bible says and you need to forgive, you need to release, and you need to forget and you will deal with poisons that are in your life and just like these sons of the prophet they couldn't partake of what God had provided uh, you know until the meal was applied and see the meal of the word of God for us tonight is to forgive if we want to be forgiven when you stand praying, the Bible says, forgive. In other words, what that's telling us, folks, um, when we are to forgive, we don't need a long, drawn-out process. We don't need to wait till a certain time. It's immediate. When you stand praying, forgive. Now, we talked a little bit about this last time. That doesn't mean that every emotion that you have related to the person who hurt you or the circumstance or whatever is immediately not going to be there. But hopefully tonight I'll have enough time to get into that and we'll talk about how to deal with some of that. Amen? Now... Jesus forgives us, and so we need to forgive others. We need to do the same. And when we talk about forgive, I'm just going to remind us of a few things that we talked about before. It means to remove, to loose, allowing room for error or weakness, 
allowing room for error or weakness. Why? Because we need to receive that for ourselves because every one of us, there are things that go wrong in our lives that we wish that they didn't. And we are weak in areas and we wish that we weren't. And and hopefully God is helping us continually, you know, to grow and develop and that kind of thing. But until Jesus comes, we're going to deal with things like that. So if you don't cut people slack in that area, guess what? You don't get any yourself. I don't like that. So I choose to forgive. It's a choice and I choose to forgive. Amen. All right. It also means to grant relief from payment. Or pardon, you owe me this. You owe me my pound of flesh. Yeah, that may be true. But God says pardon people, forgive people, because you owed a debt that you could not pay, and my son had to pay it. Isn't that the truth? And so we need to be like him. Amen? We talked about also last time in Matthew 18 um, how Jesus called his um, servant Um, And he forgave that servant who owed a huge debt to him, had compassion, showed mercy. And then uh, the servant that he had forgiven turned around with a a friend or acquaintance of his that just owed him a little bit of money, and he refused to forgive or, or, um, uh, you know, just release that man from what he owed. And and his uh, master found out, and he said, you're going to be turned over to the tormentors until you you." do the right thing here. And so that gives us a clue that that can happen in our lives too. If we don't forgive, the tormentors are coming. I don't want the tormentors. Jesus told his disciples, if it takes you forgiving 70 times seven, then that's what you are to do. And his disciples were just astonished. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. It takes faith to forgive people. You forgive by faith. Not because you feel like it, but because it's the right thing to do and we're obeying what God has told us to do. Are you here tonight? So we understand that Jesus on the cross was being crucified. He gave himself to be crucified. They couldn't have crucified him if he hadn't surrendered his life. He knew the plan of God, knew what he had to do, but these people were crucifying him, treating him horribly, and he looked um, to heaven. He said, Father, forgive them because they do not understand what they are doing right now. And so that tells us that in the middle of situations when people are hurting us, wounding us, we can still forgive because Jesus did. He was like us. He was an always tempted like we were. He had to deal with that and he was able to forgive and he's our great example and so we can forgive. Amen. All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians. If you'll take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. We need to forgive if we're going to be forgiven by God. If you look at... um, uh, Second Corinthians, uh, it's not, did I say three? I meant two. Second Corinthians two. If you look here in this chapter, it's talking about the man who was living in fornication. And how many of you know fornication, a sexual relationship with somebody you're not married to is sin? Now, see, we live in a time where people don't know that. So I say that. You all, everybody. No, everybody doesn't know it either. But not only was he in fornication, he was uh, uh, having a relationship 
with his father's wife, his stepmother. And so God said, you better isolate this man. You push him away. Don't let him be a part of the church until he gets his act together. And then he comes back, though, once they've done that, and the man has been repentant, and he said, now you need to forgive him uh, now, or 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 he's going to be pushed to the point, you know, where it's really going to damage him. And so, see, that tells us something there, even about correction in the church. you got to correct in the church, but... You you got to have balance to it, and you've got to let the Holy Spirit lead you because you can damage people. But see, some people don't want to correct anybody in the church because after all, we need to love and have mercy. Yes, but love is tough sometimes. And love, and see, love, tough love is what got this man back in a right relationship with God and the local church, okay? And so that's the kind of story that's going on. Now listen to this. Um, In verse number 10, he's told them to forgive, forgive this man. He's talking to the church. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Now that what that tells you is that when you, you know you feel like you can't forgive people, you feel like you can't release people, you feel like you can't move through the grudge that you have and the hurt and the pain and all of that. What it tells you is you can do it in Christ. In Him we live and move and have our being. There's times when I have to say, Lord, you know what my flesh feels right now, and I don't want to forgive. Oh, you've never felt that way. I know I'm the only sinner in the room. Yeah, right. But you see, I'll tell God many times, Lord, I forgive them by faith because you told me to, and I do it in and through Jesus Christ. That's where I make my stand. And I thank you for giving me the power and the strength to let it go. And then, you know, the next thing you see that person in here. You know, and then your face gets red and you feel, you know, I'm just going to tell them I'm going to, they hurt me. I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. No. By faith. See, you got to talk to yourself. You got to answer back when those thoughts are swirling around in your head. When it says, go over there and smack them. Just go over there and give them a piece of your mind. Just go over there and tell them what you really think about them. No. Answer back. In Jesus, I forgive. I'm obeying my heavenly Father. I'm obeying the Scripture. I'm going to do it God's way, and I do it through and in and by Jesus Christ. See, you got to talk to yourself, and you got to do something with those thoughts and emotions instead of just spewing it out because that's poison. Hebrews talks about that, doesn't it? And the Bible says that when you get that root, listen to me, You get that root of bitter... Well, I'm not going to have a root of bitterness. I can do this. I'll get over it. You continue with living your life that way, and no, you won't get over it. It will take root in your life. He says that a root of bitterness takes place. A root, you know what a root is. Have you ever tried to pull up a shrub or even a shrub, not a tree, but just a shrub? You know, I've tried to do that, you know, when we're doing landscaping. I'm a real gardener. 
No, I'm really not. But you know, I've worked around in the yard and you're trying to pull, you know, something up and it's rooted in there and it, and it becomes strong. The roots go down and they go deep and they hold on and they don't want to come out. Now I'm going to tell you, that's what a root of bitterness will do in our lives. It's poison. It's toxic. It will hold on and it takes root. And then it says that many are defiled through the root of bitterness. You know what? It talks about that many become troubled, they become contaminated, and they become poisoned by that toxic waste of unforgiveness that's in our life, other people. It's not just talking about us. Yes, yes, it happens to us. But it happens to other people. Why? Because people buy in to what, how we're feeling. How about the Hatfields and McCoys? You ever heard about them? Why, they probably didn't even know what they were fuming and fighting about at some period of time, but they kept being enemies. Why? Because we're again them. Why are we again them? We're again them because grandpa was again them. Not because they knew anything or they had done anything to them. They picked up a grudge that someone else was holding. Don't you pick up a grudge that a friend or a relative has. You help them handle it the right way. You don't have to preach them a sermon, but you show them through the love of Jesus Christ how to deal with something like that. Be an example. Don't take hold of that. You know, we talked about it, you know, how that the fathers ate sour grapes and the children's teeth were set on edge. That's what it's talking about. Who ate the grapes? The father. But who got their teeth set on edge? The children who didn't eat it, they didn't partake of it. And see, God is telling us about that root of bitterness there. And he's saying it will defile not only you, but it will defile other people. And so you have to release, you have to let go, you have to forgive. We all do. It's a requirement of God. Amen? All right. And he said... I forgave it in the person of Christ. Now listen, lest Satan should get an advantage. Now what is this word advantage? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. See, you have to forgive or Satan gets the advantage. The advantage is an upper hand. He becomes superior. You license him to be over you, if you will. He becomes your superior. He gets the upper hand in your life. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want the devil having an upper hand in my life. I don't want him being superior in my life. I, I serve a superior God. I serve a great and a mighty God. I want him to have the upper hand in my life and direct and guide me. Not the devil, you know, um, causing pitfalls and snares and traps in my life because I won't forgive. I don't want that. So he says... You forgive in the person of Christ, lest the devil gets an advantage or gains the upper hand in our lives. For we are not ignorant of his devices. I think that's so important to look at that. We are not ignorant of his devices. We know what he does, but a lot of times we choose anyway to do it his way rather than choosing to obey and do it God's way. 
He gets an advantage. He gets the upper hand over us. And then it's not because we're ignorant. We know all the time, but we go into it with our eyes open. And I'm going to tell you that is bad. We are not ignorant of his devices. His devices, that really has to do with, um, with a mind game, with a strategy, with a plan and a purpose. You see, if, if the enemy can keep us from forgiving people, hold grudges, keep us in bitterness and being resent, resentful toward people, if he can keep us that way, he gets the advantage over us, he gets the upper hand, and then he plays the mind games with us because he's got a strategy for your life. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. The devil does. Well, who else do we know that has a plan? I know, Jeremiah says, I know the plans that I have for you to do you good and not evil. And see, God has a good plan. But to stay on the path and to stay on the track of the good life that, and the good plan and the good strategy and purpose that God has for us, we've got to obey what He says. And forgiveness... And letting go of bitterness and all of these things is one of the requirements. It's not the only one, but it is one of the ones. And it is very important. You know, I read this study. It was done in the late, I think it was like 1998 or 99, somewhere around there, at the University of Tennessee. They received uh, some kind of a, a grant uh, to help them, and, and they had to do a study on forgiveness to get this money to be able to do it. And so they did a, a study on unforgiveness and they came up um, with the information that unforgiveness was hazardous to your health. Well, we know that. It's hazardous to your physical body and it's also hazardous to your spiritual life in Christ. Amen. Now, some of you right now, well, you're just... Thank God I don't have anybody. I know, you know, I'm not holding any grudges, no resentment. Well, and that is great, and I celebrate with you. But that doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way because there are devices, there are strategies, there's mind games, there's all those things that are there. And so it's going to happen, and I don't have to prophesy it. The devil's just at work. And he will cause that in your life, in my life, when he can. But you see, what we have to do is not be ignorant of his devices and do it God's way. Amen? All right. Colossians uh, 3.8, out of the Phillips translation, it said, Rid yourself of anger. Rid yourself of anger. Well, I'm just waiting until God, you know, um, uh, delivers me from this anger. Or I'm going to get so-and-so to come and lay hands on me and cast that out, cast that anger out. Well, you know, there are times, I don't, I'm not making light, that you do need help. But for the most part, he says, rid yourself of anger. You know, some people, they just uh, have... A, anger issues. They need to go to anger management. But you know, if they just do things God, God's way, they wouldn't have to. Because the book, the scripture, is the best anger management tool that I know. Ephesians tell us, it tells us, be angry and sin not. Okay? Then 
If he tells us that we can be angry, but don't get angry and sin when you get angry, then we need to understand that God puts in us, it's like a safety valve. And anger is not evil if you, you use that anger the right way. You remember Jesus had a righteous indignation. He got angry because people were doing things in the temple that uh, they shouldn't be doing, and he cast them out. You remember that? And so, but to be angry and to sin is wrong. So if, you know, when you get angry, you have to control it. And rid yourself of it. When the anger comes, then you did deal with it. Rid yourself of that anger and don't get into sin through the anger. Now, one, one doctor said this. He said that anger can be an expression of unforgiveness. We're angry because we won't forgive, let go, release and get over our grudges and resentments and all those kinds of things. And that's an indication that there could be... See, now, just think about this. If you're an angry person, and you have to deal with anger all the time, I mean, you just this, something can just... Don't you hate to be around people like that? I mean, I, I can love them, but I want to love them at a distance because you never know what they're going to do. And if you, if you just have problems with anger, then maybe you need to look at the issue of unforgiveness. Uh, you know, is there someone in your life and is there a circumstance, an offense, something that has happened that you're not releasing and you're not letting it go and forgetting about it? And is that why you're having those anger issues? And see, I can't answer that for you. You have to. Colossians 3.13 in the Living Bible says this, Be gentle and ready to forgive. That's a good word, be gentle. God doesn't want us to be harsh and hard and unkind and cutting with our words. He wants us to be gentle. Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Never hold grudges. Never, 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 never. Never, never hold grudges. Amen? All right, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to Ephesians 4. Okay, Ephesians 4. And I'm going to start reading with verse number 29. Okay. It says, Let no corrupt hurtful, diseased, and rotten communication proceed out of your mouth. Wow. Gotcha. Trouble is, I got me too. <laughs> All right. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. See, he's telling us here, again, Get rid of your anger. Control your anger. Don't sin when you get angry. Now, I'm going to tell you something that you need to do and I need to practice when we get angry because it happens to every one of us. And again, anger used in the right way is a God-given valve to release, to help us emotionally, okay? 
But when we get upset and we get mad and we get angry and we start spewing out this rotten, hurtful, diseased talk to people, you're going to do a lot of damage. I can't believe that you did that. Why did you say that? Why did you do that? You always do that. You see, and we just let it go. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When I teach marriage classes, I like to talk about this. I like to talk about kitchen sinking. And you know what that is? And this is what I do. I'll just give you a clue. Now, I'm a clean freak, okay? I admit it. Everybody knows it that's around me very much. But there's just something about my kitchen sink when I drink a glass of water, have a soft drink, and then, you know, I spread peanut butter on my banana and throw my knife in the sink. And then I, you know, fix me a bagel. And so I've got that little plate and I throw it in the sink. And before you know it, that sink is piled up with all the, not a big meal, you know, just little by little, you know, piling it up, piling it up, piling it up. And eventually I got to empty that whole thing and put it in the dishwasher because I'm not washing it by hand. Now, if you do, that's fine, but I like my dishwasher. And so I've learned that I just keep filling that sink. And see, I use that, husbands and wives or friends or family members. What we can do is we kitchen sink, okay? He said that to me, and he had a nasty attitude yesterday. Throw it in the sink, He forgot my birthday. Throw it in the sink. He was supposed to pick me up and he was late. Throw it in the sink. And here we go, on and on and on and on until here it is and it's overflowing and then we let somebody have it. We didn't talk to them one by one. We didn't talk to them about they were late in picking us up. We didn't talk to them about whatever it was. And so all of a sudden, we turn into this toxic monster that they don't even know, where did that come from? Have you ever been like that? Have you ever done that? Or have you ever been done that way? Of course, we all have, because that's what will happen if we keep throwing things in the sink and never dealing with it. And then that poison, rotten, hurtful, diseased talk just comes flowing out. And the person who gets it may not even be the one that's done so much to us. They just catch it because we're the closest one to them. (laughs) How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, we're getting close to home. (laughs) But he says, don't, you know, let that corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. In other words, rid yourself of the anger. That means you you and I can deal with it before it ever comes out. We can judge it before it ever comes out. Well, I just lost control. Well, you've got the Holy Spirit and you have self-control. And if you pushed it so far that you got, you know, the devil working in there with you, then you probably do need a little help in getting getting rid of it. But then who's going to keep it out? It's going to be us. It's not going to be somebody else being the, you know, the forgiveness police. Okay, but he says, 
but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. See, God wants us with our words, folks, to minister grace. Favor, peace with our words. Use our words to do that rather than rip someone up one side and down the other. Because we all are good at doing that. We all can do that. But remember what we said, it takes a strong man to forgive. It takes a strong man to do it God's way. And I really believe that. Now, as we're sitting here and we're talking about all these things, what do you do if you say, well, my goodness, I just feel so condemned. Well, what you need to do is turn it around. What you need to do is tonight start doing it God's way instead of taking things into your own hands and doing it your way because you can change it like that because it's a choice and it's a decision. He says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now look, he's talked about poison, diseased, and hurtful talk. And he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, I, I don't think that's what he's talking about. Well, I do. I think that's exactly what he's talking about. And he said, when you and I act that way, whether it be to a spouse, a family member, a child, a friend, a co-worker, whatever the case may be, when we act that way, we are God's children and we grieve the Holy Spirit. If we have not seared our conscious, conscience, if we haven't seared it, then we'll be able to pick up that grief. I know when I grieve the Holy Spirit. You know when you grieve the Holy Spirit, unless you just keep running over it, running over it, running over it. You know, when he's trying to tell you, you need, you need to stop that. You need to forgive. You need to let go. You need to forget it. But we hold on. We just, we sear and stop the Holy Spirit from being able to, to tell us that, He's grieved by what we're doing and what we're saying. Whereby you are sealed into the day of redemption. Now listen to this. Let all bitterness, let all bitterness and wrath quickly blazing up, anger that just flies up, and then the next thing you know, it's out. But you know what? You might be over it when you flare up and then it dies down. But what you've done to people, they're not. They're hurt. They're wounded. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, violent passion and clamor, yelling and screaming and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. In other words, see, it's taken us right back to that example, to where Jesus forgave us of our sin. We owed a debt that we could not pay, and he forgave us. And he said, now you take that same forgiveness that I have extended to you, and you extend it to other people. Don't hold grudges. Don't treat people wrong, but be kind. Kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to develop kindness in our lives. Amen. Isaiah 43, 25. I, and this is out of the NIV. I, even I, am he who blots out your 
transgressions for mine own sake and remember your sins no more. Now that's important because we hear it all the time. We may be even say it. Well, I forgive, but I can tell you this, I will never forget. Well, you see, that's not scriptural because we do need to forget when we're offended, when we're hurt, when we're wounded, when we've been treated wrongly, we need to forget it. We need to release it. We need, just like Jesus said, I don't remember your sins anymore. When these people that hurt us, when they come to us, we need to develop our spirit man and develop this forgiveness to the point to where when we look at them, we're not seeing what they did to us. You know, I've been that way in certain situations where I've been very hurt, very wounded. Someone said, did things, and, um, you know, then you see in their life they're just a mess, you know, and things are happening to them. And you know what? I didn't remember what they did to me. I just had a, a great compassion for them because I saw what a mess that they were in, and I just asked God to help them. Lord, help them. Let your mercy touch their life. In 1 Corinthians 13, 5 in the Amplified Bible, it says, Love takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. The King James says, thinks no evil, which means he doesn't store up memory as an accountant records. Now, See, if you, if you are going to be like God and forget and don't remember anymore, then you're going to have to do what it says here. Well, I forgive, but I'll never forget. Well, see, you're being, you're being an excellent accountant. You're just keeping, you know, keeping score and keeping the tally. Well, I've got one over here and they've got, you know, see, God says love doesn't remember or keep account of suffered wrongs, things people do to us. Well, I can tell you this. I remember everything that my husband, everything that my wife has done to me. Well, you know, and then you wonder maybe why things are not the way they need to be at home. Because you can't keep an account. You can't keep an accounting record. You know, I used to work in the accounting department. And, and you know, you got the ledgers and you got the figures and you write everything down. Well, see, that's what God's people can be real good at doing. We can write everything down. We can have that long ledger. Well, I tell you right here, to our spouse, I want you to look right here. I've got all of this down of everything that you've ever done to me since we've been married. Now see, now that's ridiculous, but, but it really is true in some regard in that we keep up with all of the wrongs that have been done to us. But he said, love doesn't do that because I don't do it. Jesus said, I don't do it. I don't remember your sins anymore. And so I want you to extend to other people the same thing. Don't remember their sins. Don't remember how they've hurt you or wounded you. You know, the, the scripture is something else when it, it tells us, love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you. I mean, my goodness. And the world is telling you, get them back. Make them pay. You see, but we, we're Christians, 
and, and, and we want to please God and we want to do it God's way and we want our life to be as free from the intrusions of Satan as they can be. He's always going to, you know, try to get in and try to get uh, 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 his foot in the door and that kind of thing. But sometimes he doesn't have to get his foot in the door. We've got the door wide open. And it can happen through things like this, not forgiving and keeping account of the, the things that, that people do to us. If you want forgiveness, you've got to extend it. Amen? And so, in other words, you can't say, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Because if we're like Jesus, we forgive and we forget. Now, again, I won't tell you that, that it's easy I won't tell you that you can just do it overnight. I won't tell you that you won't have to forgive more than one time. There are people, honest to God, you know, it was like, you know, the, the 70 times 7. I feel like I've had to do that with some people. Because every time I see them, it would flare up, you know, and the thoughts would come. Well, they did this, and they said that, and they treated me this way, and they did that to me. So it isn't easy, but I'm going to tell you, forgiveness, now listen to me, forgiveness is a lifestyle. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. We just choose, you know, it's not going to be, well, with this person now, they only hurt me 20%, so I'm going to let them go. This person, now they hurt me 50%, so I'm going to, you know, make them toe the line. And this person, they really, really hurt me. You know, it's not the way, it's a lifestyle of forgiveness. It's not picking and choosing, it is forgiving everyone and releasing them. Amen? If you don't, your life is going to be full of torture. Remember the tormentors? That if you don't forgive, he said, you'll get turned over to the tormentors. And so we don't want that. Amen. So we need to be obedient to God and forgive. And if we don't, he said, our prayers will be hindered. And what does that, that gives us a little clue that our fellowship with God will be hindered if we don't forgive. Now, I don't know about you, but I have lots of needs and I, I need to talk to my heavenly father. And so I don't want my fellowship blocked. And so I really do strive to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. Does that mean that I do it perfectly? No, just like you don't. We're not perfect. That's why we needed Jesus. Amen. And, and you know, someone said this, and I, I really agree with it, that um, for unforgiveness is like filthiness of the, uh, of the spirit. I really believe that. Because the Bible says that when you don't forgive, he calls you a wicked servant. You remember that? That wicked servant, I forgave you and you won't forgive. You remember that? And so that gives us a little clue into that, that unforgiveness is filthiness. It's wickedness. And that's the way God looks at it. Well, it's just a little bit. of No, it's filthiness. It's wickedness. And God says we need to get it under control. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.